Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. We are talking today about what not to do in a bear market. I am alongside, figuratively, Michael McNamara from sunny Florida there today. Mike, you with us? I am. I'm on uh, okay. the, the landline. Oh, well, you sound great. Yeah, good. I'm glad <laughs> to hear that. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, so first of all, we've had a very exciting last couple of months in the financial markets, both stocks and bonds. Uh, and we haven't had uh, this much excitement for a very, very long time. In fact, about 10 or 11 years. Uh, so it's been kind of a relatively peaceful 10 years, but all of a sudden excitement is back. And uh, there have been some fairly scary stock market movements over the last uh, month and a half or so. And I thought we'd spend some time, uh, basically this whole show, and we could probably broadcast for six hours with the material I have here. But, <laughs> yeah. but the bottom line is we want to kind of get some information out there to folks uh, about what's going on so that they hopefully uh, don't make any bad mistakes uh, in terms of their money. Um, you know, it's uh, m- markets are going to do what they're going to do, and investors kind of need to be prepared for that. But it's really what investors do about what markets are doing that gets them in trouble. And we're going to try to prevent some of that today, kind of given the circumstances. Uh, I thought the first thing I'd touch on uh, would be a little perspective on uh, viruses and epidemics and outbreaks. Sort of a thing. How, how about that? You're going to play uh, okay. amateur uh, what's that, epidemiologist or something like that? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just going to do amateur historian. <laughs> okay. I think that's a lot that's a lot safer than predicting the future, my son. Okay. Uh, 
Anyway, so um, I'm going to quote myself, by the way, from three or four things I've written in the last month or so. You have been, you have uh, been busy. I, I have been busy. We like to keep uh, our clients in the loop of what, about what's going on. And when times get exciting, we get geared up and make our money in this business sort of a thing. So we're going to uh, try to educate our folks on the, on the listening side here. And the, the three or four things I'm going to quote from are basically articles I've written or uh, pieces I've written for clients. And uh, what I think I'll do is uh, a couple of times during the show, there are four separate articles that I'm going to quote from over the course of the show. Uh, and if anybody would like to request the written version of them, there's no cost. If you just want to email us questions at McNamara on money, there are four pieces that I think will hopefully provide some information and some comfort uh, for folks who might be a little scared about their money these days. I think we'll call it the, the bear market survival packet, Jess. How's that sound? Sounds great. Okay, so folks, uh, as you listen to the show, uh, if you did want to request uh, the, the detailed version of some of the things that we're going to touch upon here, just uh, email us at uh, questions at McNamara on money and say, can you please send me the bear market survival packet? And uh, it's a long version of what we're going to talk about today, and I think uh, anybody who's curious might find it pretty interesting. Anyway, so let me let me quote from myself, uh, my son, just to, to get the, the, uh, the show started. Nobody knows the future. But sometimes the past can be helpful and hopefully somewhat comforting. We've had a number of such, or I should say similar, health threats in the past. I will start with the SARS virus in 2003-2004 that yep. also originated in China. And is also then, a coronavirus, I believe, right? There, so same, there, same there you go. Of viruses. Yep. Yep. There you go. Okay, there was the bird flu epidemic in 2005-2006. Uh, that was followed in 2009 by a new strain of swine flu. Oh, yeah, I remember pig and, flu, that's right. Yeah, and then really, really scary, an outbreak of Ebola uh, in 2014, and that's a, that's a really scary disease. And now uh, we've got this SARS, uh, this coronavirus, but we just finished up the uh, Zika mosquito-borne virus in 2016-17. So, yep. so the, 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 the first comment I'm going to make, folks, is that we have had outbreaks of different viruses and health epidemics in the past, uh, and uh, we're all still here from a financial market point of view. I want to be very careful about, you know, we're going to talk about what to do about the markets, but but let's face it, let, let's just talk about people and, and infections and dying, okay? This is a, any kind of a, an outbreak of health is is, uh, is bad, and some a lot worse than others, and human lives and, and are at stake in these things, and we're not trying to diminish that whatsoever. We are saying uh, that the financial markets of the world have recovered from this, and, and actually in pretty good fashion, yep. and you kind of need to keep Keep that in mind when you're going through a, a, a scary current time. So a, a, a little more history. Uh, the first case of the SARS virus was recorded in China uh, on January 31st, 2003. Okay, on on that day, the Standard and Poor's 500, which is basically a proxy for the U.S. stock market to reuse, it was 8.55. 
Okay. okay. Yep. So on Friday, January 31st, 2020, which is exactly 17 years uh, after the SARS outbreak, okay, uh, that's when the coronavirus began. Uh, and by the way, on that date, the S&P 500 was 32.25. So in 17 years, through, by the way, the six epidemics that I've quoted, uh, the U.S. stock market's gone from 8.55 to 32.25, and that's an 8.2% per year compounded return for those 17 years. So, so my point is is pretty clear. Yep. Uh, you know, we figured out how to deal with these epidemics. Yes, there was a toll and, and suffering and misery, but we figured out solutions and or they ran their course. We've had a, an, a, an outbreak of virus. We've had six of them over the last 17 years. They've yep. all been serious. Uh, they've all caused misery and a number of deaths. Uh, and, you know, as best we could as a, a world, we've gotten by them, okay? And, you know, most of them have had cures or have way in the background or contained. And the bottom line is that the financial market, markets of the world, you know, keep going on. So so that, that's kind of the, the, the measure. O- over the 17 years uh, yeah. and those six outbreaks, if you just closed your eyes financially, you earned 8.2% per year on the, on the U.S. stock market. Yep. Uh, you know, so... You know, and again, I'll quote myself a little bit more here. Please know that any health issue that can grow to a potential epidemic status is a major concern for all of humanity. You know, forget about the stock markets. Uh, I would guess right now there are dozens of countries, thousands of government officials, and untold numbers of medical professionals across the globe yeah. working together on a cure and containment for this virus. It's a small planet, and thankfully there are a number of things we can all agree on and work together to solve. Uh, you know, such efforts sustain my hope about the future of the human race. I mean, think about it. We're, the, the whole world is kind of on the same page of this. So it's a, it's a terrible tragedy, but yeah. at least there are some good things coming out of it. So, so that's kind of w- w- where I'm coming from. That's what, you know what? That's uh, my... Um this is a, this is an aside, but the one I'm I'm generally sort of an anti-cable news person, but I feel like the the one good thing that cable news does is it keeps us on track with pandemics. You know what I mean? Where yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. everyone sort of rode in the same direction when something like this happens because yeah. everyone knows about it and you can't escape it. You know what I mean? So I guess there's a you know we shouldn't be. I guess I should I should be uh, positive to cable news every every so often. I know we do throw some we take some shots at them, especially here on this show. You know what I mean? Yep, I understand. Uh, okay, so anyway, let, let me. Um, let me conclude this, and we'll move on to some more interesting stuff, or yeah. I, I hope. Uh, so, by the way, uh, th- this is for everybody out there. On any day of your life thus far, you know, if you actually did the research, you could find numerous scary reasons to either not invest in or take your money out of the stock market. Those scary reasons will likely continue to exist for every day of the rest of your life. Yeah. Somehow, over the course of our lives, our standard of living has improved, and the financial markets have moved ever higher. How uh, how this has happened is not a mystery to me. We spend way too much time paying attention to the bad things, and and we don't really notice a whole bunch of really good things that have happened uh, to us and society over the years. 
you know, it's really kind of weird, but the the the, the, the tremendous uh, advancements we've had in lifestyle and comfort and, and health over the generations, they kind of happen slowly and go under the radar and don't get much press sort of a thing. So uh, I'm not diminishing what goes on in the world from health epidemics by any stretch, folks, but, you know, we do recover. And by the way, if you look back on the history of your life, you probably had a pretty good one, and hopefully that's that's the case here. So, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. Any any follow-up comments on that? Yeah, I, mean, I, I just wanted, I do want to be clear that when we mention the swine flu and SARS and the other, you know, the other sort of potential Ebola, the other kind of potential pandemics that um, we, we're not minimizing the potential effect of the COVID-19 virus. I mean, th- those, uh, for the most part, the reaction to those was all fairly good. And, and, you know, maybe we just got lucky with regards to the, you know, kind of the viruses or the, or the illnesses themselves. And I think we should acknowledge that this could, this certainly could get worse. You know what I mean? I mean, the, yep. the, the COVID-19 could be a worse, you know, could be much worse than SARS probably already is. And it may get worse from here in that. And we're not saying that that won't affect the markets and it, or won't affect the economy. I think we're just pointing out the fact that there, you know, there's always people panicking and we sort of as a, as, as a global society or a global capitalistic society have always gotten through these things. And, you know, we're talking from a market perspective, things have always gotten better. And it's, it's for the most part, always been in your interest to not panic and to, you know, to not try to time the market and jump in and out because things get better, right? I don't think anyone, thinks that the, you know, it's it certainly COVID-19 certainly may get worse here, but I don't think anyone thinks it's going to wipe out our whole society. Um, you know, a lot of people may die and that'll be, you know, that will be tragic, but I don't think that uh, we, we, you know, we're talking about the financial response to it and sort of the market-based response. And I think we're suggesting that it probably makes sense to be optimistic because that's, you know, sort of what history tells us to be. Is that okay? That was, that was pretty, pretty wise on your part. I'm telling you. Yeah, so it was a lot different than the beginning of the show. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, let's, let's cross our fingers for the next hour and a half here or so. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, so I, I think we have about three minutes to the break, so I want to kind of touch on a subject that will kind of lead us into the second half an hour here, okay? Uh, and um, f- folks, probably the, the, the most powerful investment chart I've ever seen in my life, and it's been 40 years in this business, uh, is, a, is a wonderful chart published by the folks at Putnam Investments in Boston. Yep. Uh, and I'm looking at it right now. It's it's a little chart they've done that's called Market Rebounds Outlasted Declines. You've been talking about this chart for as long as I've been around. This is the best chart <laughs> in history if you, you want to learn about investing as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, uh, folks, uh, this, will, will be, this will be in our Bear Market Survival Packet if you want to request it uh, at McNamara on Money, uh, the website. But the bottom line is uh, it, it's, it's just terrific. I, I get excited just looking at it. It's a it's a chart that goes back to 1949, okay, the year after I was born, okay, uh, and it basically tracks the performance, the ups and downs of the Standard and Poor's 500, 500 biggest publicly traded companies in America, and therefore a proxy for the stock market. And I call it reds and greens and grays, and it's just visually terrific, okay, uh, you know, since 1949, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, we've had 11 reds. A, a red is a down market or a skew. 
scary time, uh, and those markets are clearly delineated on this chart. And then right after this mountain chart, uh, the, the reds are followed by greens, and the greens are, let's see, I started at the top here, we had a red that took us down, and we've recovered at the top of the green. So you have from red to green, it gets you kind of back to where you were, and then the markets keep on going. And, and the short story is that we've gotten through some pretty scary times that didn't really last very long, okay, over the last, well, since 1949, 70 years for all practical purposes, uh, and looking back is a lot more comfortable than going through those times. The, you know, the average down market has lasted 13 months, you know, in the last 70 years. That Sometimes yeah. they go longer, sometimes they go shorter, but they're scary, okay, and by the way, you know, you know, we define a bear market as down 20%, and, uh, you know, we've had some that have gone a lot further than that. But, folks, I'm going to kind of quote from this chart over the next, in the next half an hour session here, but it's called Market Rebounds Outlasted Market Declines. It's the most powerful uh, investment chart uh, in the world because you can look back at some scary history and kind of figure out uh, that, that we, we still kind of, as a planet, kind of survived and, and came through all those things. So there's a lot of, a lot of comfort there from my point of view. So I, I think, shall I dare to take, we take a break here, Justin, see how that goes? I don't know. Let me, let me, oh, yep, I'm getting the thumbs up on a break. Folks, by the way, over the next hour and a half or so, I'm going to be citing two or three or four articles I've written about how to get through a bear market and bad times and stuff. And uh, we're going to make it available to our listeners. All you have to do is uh, email us questions at McNamara on Money. And if you want to ask for the bear market survival packet, uh, I've, I'll send you the uh, long version of a number of the things we're talking about here. And folks, I, I think, well, I may be biased, but I think you might find it pretty interesting as a matter of fact. Okay, so we're going to hop over into uh, this particular piece. is called a bear market survival guide, strangely enough. Uh, and when I was researching this article I was going to write, uh, I was I, I Googled, you know, bear market survival guides. And by the way, I'm, I'm not the first guy that's ever tried to write one of those. Jason. I want you to know, okay? <laughs> Did you see anyway, if, that, that, if that title was uh, was trademarked or anything like that? Yeah, no, well, no I, you know, I forgot to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but anyway, but they pretty much all say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, which is the wrong stuff. Okay, so 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 here you go. Here here are some of the the pieces of advice that have been given, and by the way, will be given for as long as this uh, you know market excitement happens. So so here they are in general. Trim your holdings as the market gets near an all-time high, or go to cash or government bonds and wait out the storm. Did you really find or, these? Or buy, yeah, buy some gold. Sell some naked puts. This is not an X-rated show, folks. That's a legitimate uh, thing. Okay, buy defensive stocks. Start getting back in slowly at the market bottom. So, so, so those are. Let me read those again. Cause yeah. they're all exactly the wrong thing to do, folks. Okay, trim your holdings as the market gets near an all-time high. Should have done that, I guess, about a month and a half ago, right? Go to cash or government bonds. By the way, boatloads of folks are doing that right now. I saw some statistics this morning. Yep. Okay, and wait out the storm. 
Okay, buy some gold. Gold always comes out of the woodwork at times like this. Okay, there's an option strategy involving selling naked puts. Too too complicated. Doesn't apply to most folks listening. Buy defensive stocks. You know, people have to brush their teeth, so buy toothpaste stocks. People have to eat potato chips. They're not going to start that. Stop that. Campbell's soup. Little, Get some Campbell's soup. Yep. Yeah, there, there you go. Campbell's soup. Okay, or start getting back slowly at the market bottom. By the way, folks, these strategies will all work absolutely terrific uh, for those of us who know the future <laughs> yeah. and, and know when the market will fall for how long, when it will rise, and which investments to own for how long. Okay, I, 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 they, these make me nauseous because they all imply that we know where we are now in, in any kind of a financial situation and where we're going and for how long that's going to be. And then, okay, let's see. I'm, gonna, I'm predicting the market bottom is going to be on May 3rd of this year. I'm sitting on the cash until... You know, people, people listening, please, we don't know the future. Okay, you can't, you can't know that. And all of that advice is just silly. You can quote me on that. Okay, so, so let me try to explain or mention a few things that you can do. When we said it earlier, the, the secret is out. If you have a well-diversified portfolio that's appropriate for your time frame and your comfort levels, if your financial advisor has explained to you some of the bad things that can happen, okay, uh, and if you happen to be taking money, if you have some adequate income stashed aside in the side of your portfolio, do nothing. You already prepared for this with the strategy that you have and the portfolio and, and if you're working with a financial advisor, okay? So, okay, very quickly, average down stock market since World War II, okay, is basically 13 months. Mm -hmm. Okay, average recovery, okay, good market, 3.5 years. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, you know, during every one of those reds and greens that I talked about in that Putnam chart, market rebounds, outlasted declines, we always got better and things always went higher. Okay. Um, folks get really nervous. By the way, I sent this piece out to our clients a little while ago. Okay. So I I'm thinking, Josh, here's some good advice. So you know how yeah. people check their monthly statements every I do. month? I do. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we certainly know that, right? So I'm thinking that if the average down market lasts 13 months, okay, then it gets better. You just don't look at your statements for the next 13 months, okay? <laughs> That's right. Okay, yeah. Well, by the way, or... And some of our clients you, do actually take us up on that advice, and I, they're generally happy about it. I mean, that's, uh, that's anecdotal. I don't have any science to back that up. But uh, we have heard uh, just don't look does, does work, if you can do it. It's not easy, though. Yep, yep. Well, by the way, so we, and we, again, we have hundreds of clients we work with, but some of them looked for two or three months and gave up looking and said, I'm just going to close my eyes till this is over. Folks, that's okay. Because it's, you know, unless the world comes to an end permanently, which, by the way, it seems to every once in a while, but it hasn't yet, uh, you know, we'll get through this, okay, uh, and stay. So if you're prepared for the, these things, then doing nothing is literally, for most folks listening to me out there, okay, the best thing to do. Yeah. Yes, that means you had to have enough time to leave the money alone. Yes, that has to, means that you had to have some income set aside if you're taking income. But you can prepare for stuff like this. Being prepared for anything is a lot better than trying to guess when the good and bad times are going to be and what you're going to do about it. It's just kind of almost financial suicide to start doing things like that, folks. Yeah. Okay? And let me just, if I could just follow up on something you said a little bit, a bit earlier. Sure. You know, 
all of the advice that you just read, which, you know, and obviously that you're, you're cherry picking from some columns. I, I, you know, I know yep. there are a lot of folks out there giving the right advice, which is, you know, ideally, you know what your asset, your, you know, your appropriate asset allocation is, and therefore you should be prepared for, you know, hopefully whatever the market gives you. Um, but though, you know, the things like, oh, buy some gold at the top of the market or start to trim your holdings or start to buy government bonds or cash, those, those do all in theory, work very, very well if you know when the top of the market is and if you know how long the downturn is going to last. But it just, I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. And, and you don't even have to look that, that far back in history, right? I mean, uh, 12, what is this? Uh, October of 2018, the market started dropping and it dropped about 19%. And if you had, you know, in, and right now we're down about 12%. So if you had implemented this strategy and said, oh no, the market is tanking, I need to go buy some cash and some gold and some government bonds, then you, yeah. you don't, was that you? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> that was the operator was, was breaking in. I think you have a call. Um, then you know, the, the, that would have worked maybe for, for 8%, right? Cause you, you, you know, you went from 12 down to down to 20, but then the market immediately rebounded. And then what do you do then? Right. I mean, the, the problem is it's just so hard to time these things and the beginning of every downturn, the news starts to come at you and say, Hey, is this the next big bear market? Right. I mean, we had a, you know, we had that, that certainly was happening last, uh, last October through December when the market was down almost 20%. But then it just it rebounded, and that was sort of the end of that up until now. So that that's the problem is is that you, you know, you you don't, you just don't know. And I know you've already said that, but I want to reiterate it. It's just you know, there's there's no way to tell. I mean, this sounds like it's going to be terrible, right? Oh, the COVID nineteen virus. It's going to be here forever. It's going to, you know, it's going to stop production in China, and that's going to ripple throughout the global economy, and and the markets are going to react and go way down. That sounds. That sounds perfectly rational at this point, but it may not play out that way. And this, you know, for all we know, this is the end of it, uh, or it could get worse. And there's just no way to tell, which is why trying to jump in and out of the right investment strategy for whatever second you're in is uh, is just too difficult. Uh, and extremely unfortunate for most folks who practice that. I'll yep. just leave it at that. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, so number one, uh, if you do look at your statements. I, I'm, I'm only half facetious, okay? Uh, but but if you do look at your statements, okay, don't do anything about it, folks, okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, you can certainly take a peek at your monthly statements. It's your money. But if you do and your emotions get rising, it might cause you to do something uh, silly or unwise. So you just have to be careful about that. But anyway, so uh, here's another little helpful hint. Uh, uh, it's uh, at times, it's a lot better to think in uh, percentages yep. as opposed to dollars, folks. Okay, so I'll, I'll make up an example that's that's easy to do the math here. You know, uh, if you open up your monthly statement, folks, okay, and you're you you take a huge gasp and you look at it and say, "Holy cow, I have lost." Ten thousand dollars in the last month. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, uh, you haven't lost anything unless you sell your account right now. Okay. Go to cash, and then, by the way, you just guaranteed yourself that you lost ten thousand dollars. Okay. I prefer to say, and have been right so far in my life. Okay. uh, (laughs) That's right. You're batting a hundred. You're batting a hundred percent. 
you are temporarily down in value $10,000. And if you close your eyes and pray, history says that that will be temporary and it will recover and it will go higher. So, folks, uh, uh, you know, if you're down 10000 if you've lost $10,000, the only way you do that is to sell your portfolio and officially create that loss for yourself. If you sit there and look at it, and do nothing and pray, and if you open up your next month's statement and it's gone away, I guess that was called being temporarily down in value, and I'm not being cute, folks. That's what it's been for a long time. Okay, but anyway, so so a loss is not a loss unless you make it so. But the second part of that is, so, okay, if if I started, you know, how much money is in your account. So let's see. So if I had a $20,000 account and I opened up my statement next month and it was down $10,000, I have a right to be terrified because that's that's down 50% temporarily in value, okay? Yeah. However, if if your account was worth $100,000, you're down 10%. Okay? And if your account is worth a million dollars, you're down 1%. Okay, and, and so it, it it it's much better, okay, to focus in ups and down markets on the percentages and not the dollars, because the dollars are much, they're just more terrifying. They they just elicit more reactions. I you know I, I fielded a call a couple of weeks ago. By the way, I've only had a couple of calls. How about you, just from clients? Maybe a few. Or how many you got? I think I have one so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We like to think we've well trained and educated the folks we work with. So, so <laughs> yeah, we, so we've we, been we've been a broken record about uh, about yeah. not getting used to the good the good times for the past yeah, three they, four, they three go. years. So <laughs> yeah, when, when they call up and ask us what's going on, we, they know what we're going to tell them anyway, right? Yep. So, oh. uh, but but anyway, I I had a fairly no, I had a very sophisticated uh, client who I who I think, thought, and continue to think is a very bright guy with an engineering and a mathematical background. And he called up and he was down X amount of money. And when we did the math, it was 5%. And he said, well, you know, I would think this guy would know that sort of a yeah. thing. So, so uh, f- folks, if you have to look at your statements, take the dollars that you're temporarily down yep. and divide them by the value of your account last month Okay, and being down 3% is probably a lot better off than being down $10,000. It gives you a little bit more patience to maybe wait for the for the good things to come, folks. So any, any follow-up comments to that, Jess? Or? No, I think that's good. I think, you know, in, in times like this, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to remember, but your, you know, kind of your, your lizard brain and your, and your sort of <laughs> fight or flight response does tend to kick in. And your emotions are not your friend in, in bad stock markets. It's just your brain is usually, is usually telling you to do the wrong thing. And it would just be, you know, kind of behoove you to, to remember that as best you can. And also, you know, kind of, uh, and also obviously seek out good advice. Um, Cause that's what, you know, we have clients who will call us and again, they, they know what we're going to say, but even hearing, hear even, it. yeah, even hearing it again, yeah. Uh, you know, makes them feel, makes them feel better. And again, that's right. You're batting a thousand every, you've you've said the market was going to recover and so far so good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and then, you know, if your account went down last month, folks, uh, you know, did, did did you think your account's going to go straight up every month forever? There are going to be lots and lots of times when you can open up a monthly statement that's lower than the the, the month before. That's 
part of the investment game, folks. That's just how it works, okay? Uh, so, so, yeah, okay, uh, p- please think about it that way. Uh, and then, you know, if it's helpful, and, and I don't know, it's been a long time, but so... So if you're very nervous and if you're thinking about liquidating your stuff and going to a nice, safe place and sleeping for the rest of your life. By the way, we'll get to that in a little while, folks. There are no safe places. Uh, and, okay, there are absolutely no safe places to put your money. And I'll get to that at the last half an hour of the show. But you know, if, if you're going to do that, did you do that before? You know, in, in 2007, eight, did you sell to feel good? And get back in, or in 2001 and two when we had the tech bubble or whatever they wanted to call that mess there. Okay, if you're thinking about selling your stuff now because things are scary, if you've done it before, ask yourself how that worked out. And my guess is it didn't work out too well. Yeah. Okay. So so you know, and you said it a minute ago. Emotions. Okay. Can cannot be part of a long-term investor's feelings. You can you cannot have them, or you have to put them way underside, grin and bear. You just can't do that. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's see here. Um, let's let's take a minute. Um, how, how shall I say this? Let me. This is pretty simple, folks. So so how come? The stock market's always going up over the long run. By the way, I'm, I'm looking at this Putnam. I'm looking at this Putnam chart, and folks, this is not guaranteed. That's right. I have to say that. Okay, this is not guaranteed. Past but, performance uh, is no indication of future results. There, there you go. I feel better now. Okay, okay. Uh, Ten thousand dollars invested in United States large cap companies in 1949 yep. grew to over 23 million dollars as of 12. 3119. Okay. Uh, and that's a whole lot of money. That's, by the way, uh, I don't even know. It must be a 10 or 11% return for all that time sort of a thing. So, so for some reason, the 500 biggest companies in America have continued to grow in value, okay, for the last 70 years. Okay. And folks, there's, there's only one reason, and it sounds so simple. It's, you probably, won't think it's a good one, but as long as the companies that you own in your portfolio continue to make more money and profits uh, and income, they're going to become worth more. And, and you know, so what what drives the U.S. stock market higher are those 500 companies and their ability to make money, you know, over time. If if the uh, what was it? We're down 13 percent. Is that what the, the, the hiccup since the market high, whenever it was in early February or something like that, Just 12.2 from the All most right. recent All market right. high, yep. All right, so, so, so we are down 12%, folks, okay, and since the most recent market high. Well, by the way, if you have a 100% of your money in the S&P 500, I guess you're down 12%. You know, if you're 60% stocks and 40% bonds in your portfolio, and only 30 or 40% of those are U.S., you're probably down 6% or 7%. So, so remember that you have a diversified portfolio when you hear scary numbers like this. Okay, but but the, but the real thing to remember uh, is that, you know, do you think that in the last month and a half, 
the 500 biggest companies in America. They, they, they're 12 percent worse off than they were. Um, the companies themselves forget their prices. Are are people buying less toothpaste? Are they buying less wine? Are they calling less on their cell phones? Justin, did you trim your your cable subscription? Uh, you know, because <laughs> you're feeling a little tight under the. I mean, think about what you have done, listener, in your own life. In the last, what have you done differently? You're still buying goods and services from companies all over the planet. Okay, maybe a little bit more slowly because aren't not as many people going to go on cruises or on airplanes. Yeah. Then this too will pass. So, so if you think about companies that you own, you know, one of the suggestions I'd have is, you know, go go take a look. Okay, you probably have the S&P 500 or some mutual funds in your portfolio, folks, that buy great big blue-chip U.S. stocks. Go, go look at the last annual report. Look at the names in there. You know, how, how do you feel about yeah. owning four or 500 of like, the biggest companies in America? You know, do you think that ultimately they'll survive and businesses will get better because of this? And if you step back and look at the big picture, it's a lot less scary than, than you know, down at the level we are now talking about this. So, so, you know, if you understand that the only reason that the companies that you own, okay, are going to grow over time is their ability to make money, then you're just hoping that you own those companies and over the rest of your life or your investment horizon, they make more money. And yeah. by the way, it's worked pretty well for like a long time and not just in this country. So you kind of have to look at the big picture, I guess. And, and, I, and right. And so of, of course I feel like a broken record because we, we hit the same themes all the time on the show, but yeah. adjust your yep. time frame, right? So when you, when you hear the news, if you're, if you're, if you listen to the financial news, you know, you'll hear something like, Oh, you know, the, you know, China is going to shut down for the next three months. And, you know, since they produce everything in the world and they, you know, they're, they're building parts for, you know, for automobiles and refrigerators and electronics. And so, you know, you're going to have huge supply issues that are going to ripple throughout the globe, right? That sounds really bad. But if you said, okay, you're going to own this portfolio, you, you're going to own your S&P 500 stock portfolio for the next 20 years. And during three months of those 20 years, you're going to have supply shocks that are caused by, by the sort of the COVID-19 virus. You might say, oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad, right? I mean, it's, you know, is it really, <laughs> obviously there, you know, there are obvious issues, right? And we're, we're, we're yeah. going to try to go and, and separate the financial from the human cost to this thing, right? It's, it's bad that, you know, if you, if you can't go to work and you can't earn money, that, you know, that's, we're not saying that's no big deal, but from a financial point of view, if you're looking at your investments, this you, too will pass. Yeah. If you said, okay, well, you know, things will shut down and then what, then what'll happen? They'll, they'll start back up and probably it'll be just like it was before more than likely. And in that context, holding on to your, you know, big blue chip, you know, us companies doesn't sound like such a bad idea. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so folks, you know, just remember, okay, if you, by the way, if you have a portfolio that's 60% U.S. stocks and 40% U.S. bonds, I'll just make, I'm just making this up, folks. Okay. If the stocks go down 20%, by the way, bonds are way up this month. Okay. So if you're 60%, by the way, if stocks go down 20% in your 60, 40 portfolio, okay. Uh, and if the 40% in bonds earns 5%, you're down 12 yeah. in your portfolio. Yep. Okay, so, so, so don't, you know, don't look at the 
stock market number, look at your numbers relative to how much percentage of your money you have in stocks. So you, you got to kind of keep it in perspective. Okay. Yep. By the way, you mentioned this earlier. In the middle of 2016 and at the end of 2019, the U.S. market went down more than 19%. But it happened so quickly, and I think it must have been between monthly statements, Justin, or yeah. something. I'm not sure, but but nobody noticed. Okay, so we had two drops. Yeah, I forgot about 2016. More- yeah, I mean, yeah, we had two drops more significant thus far than the one we've had, and nobody noticed it, which is, I think, kind of interesting if you do the math, you know? Yeah, 2016 was down, yeah, yeah, you're right, 2016 was down just a, a bit more than this one now, yeah, and then yeah, we had 2018, nine, yeah. Yeah, 19.3 and 19.8 or something like that. They didn't yeah. qualify as an official bear market. They didn't make the cut just, no. we didn't know about it, you know, <laughs> and whatever. Okay, uh, and then, okay, here's another... I got to be careful how I say this because we're on the radio. Yeah, we had twenty, we had part. twenty eleven and twenty twelve too. Yep, there's, a, yeah, there's yeah. been a lot there, of them. There, yeah, there you go. 20%. By the way, there's a there's a chart. There's a wonderful book uh, put out every quarter by J P Morgan's called J P Morgan's Guide to the Markets, and one of the charts there says that for like every year for the last like six or seven decades. There's been at least a down 14% move somewhere in the middle of a calendar year, on average. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you know, so, you know, that's just just kind of comes in the territory. Yeah. Anyway, so let, let me go hop on the me- let me do my media thing here, Jess. Okay. So, so uh, you know, the 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 media is not. I'm going to be kind, Justin. Okay. As kind as I can. Yep. Okay, folks. The financial media is not helping you with your investment strategy, okay, in terms of the way they report things and with the emotions and the words and the phrases that they use. Okay, let's face it, bad news sells and good news doesn't. Okay, and some of the terms are just, you know, I'm convinced that there are some folks that know absolutely nothing about money that are financially reporting that are just coming up with great adjectives and adverbs to absolutely terrify people, okay, to, to, to get them to read their things or listen to their yeah. radio show. It, it, it's Folks, it's awful. It's just awful, and it doesn't help. They're selling ads. They're not. Yeah. They're not selling advice. That's right. That's, yeah, that that that's not their job. That yep. that's correct. Okay, okay. And then let's see. We had maybe just a minute or so for the break. So you uh, folks might get a chuckle uh, about this. So so while we're going through these this tough time, this temporary tough time. Okay, here's my advice to everybody listening: Don't seek or offer any financial advice to friends or relatives, by the way, especially wealthy ones, because such conversations are even more painful and depressing than the ones where you share your health issues with your friends and relatives. (laughs) We older folks do that. I I hate it, Jess, but when you get into conversations with older folks, sometimes they health dominates. Well, well, you know, that's what's going on in your lives, right? Yeah. Well, at times (laughs) like this, when you have miserable markets, Aunt Sadie's going to be giving you investment advice, and that's not a good thing, you know? (laughs) All right. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. 